0: Welcome to Current Radio's technology station. Please enjoy today's selection of technology news. The world of biotech is buzzing with a new development, Celeste. A Seattle-based organization is receiving a whopping $75 million in funding to research something called DNA typewriters.
1: DNA typewriters? That sounds like something straight out of a sci-fi novel, James. What exactly does that mean?
0: It's a fascinating concept, Celeste. They're essentially trying to develop self-monitoring cells, which could revolutionize our understanding of biology. This project is a collaboration between the University of Washington, the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative, and the Allen Institute.
1: A collaboration of that scale definitely sounds promising. But what's the goal here? What are they trying to achieve with these DNA typewriters?
0: Well. According to Jay Shendor, the scientific lead for this project, they're aiming to create a balance between an academic approach and a development-focused commercial approach. They're not necessarily looking to create a billion-dollar company, but rather to innovate and push the boundaries of what's possible in biotech. They're calling this the Seattle hub for synthetic biology.
1: Interesting. So they're not strictly profit-driven, but they're also not just doing this for the sake of pure research, it's a blend of both. But I'm still intrigued by this concept of a DNA typewriter. Can you tell me more about that?
0: Absolutely. The idea is to use the DNA within cells as a sort of storage medium for information. Schender compares it to a smartwatch for cells, but instead of a wearable device, it's more like the cell is keeping a journal of its experiences over time.
1: So we're talking about cells recording their own data? That sounds like it could have huge implications for understanding biological processes.
0: Exactly. Currently, our methods for monitoring cells are quite limited. We can observe them under a microscope or measure certain aspects, but we're only getting a snapshot in time. This technology could potentially give us a continuous record of a cell's activity. It's like having an inside look at a cell's life story.
1: That's mind-blowing, James. But it also sounds incredibly complex. How feasible is this?
0: There's certainly a lot of work to be done, Celeste. Right now, the technology is in its early stages. Shendur likens it to a monkey at a typewriter, punching keys randomly. But he believes that with research and engineering, they can refine this system to record information more accurately. Of course, it's not a guarantee, but the potential is there.
1: A monkey at a typewriter? I like that analogy. It really illustrates the challenges they're facing. But if they succeed, this could be a game changer for biotech.
0: Absolutely, Celeste. And considering the reliability of DNA, which has been tested and refined over billions of years of evolution, they have a strong foundation to build on. It's going to be exciting to see how this project unfolds.
1: I couldn't agree more, James. The Seattle hub for synthetic biology is definitely a project we'll be keeping a close eye on.
0: From the promising world of synthetic biology in Seattle, we now turn our attention to the darker side of technology. There's a new development in the field of cyber espionage that's causing quite a stir. A serious case involving two hackers linked to Russia's FSB has been making headlines recently. Let's delve into the details now. Celeste, let's talk about a serious cyber-espionage case that's been making headlines. Two hackers linked to Russia's FSB have been indicted by U.S. authorities for a long-running campaign targeting government officials.
1: Right, James? This is a significant development. The Department of Justice alleges that FSB officer Ruslan Alexandrovich Peretyatko, an IT worker, Andrei Stanislavovich Koronets attempted to compromise computers of multiple U.S. government agencies, including the Department of Defense and Department of Energy, from October 2016 to October 2022.
0: And it wasn't just U.S. agencies, was it? The indictment also alleges that the hackers, known as the Callisto Group, targeted military and government officials, think tank researchers, and journalists in the U.K. and elsewhere. They used sophisticated spear phishing emails, which purported
1: to come from email providers suggesting users had violated terms of service, right? And these emails contained malicious domains created by the Callisto Group to harvest victims' credentials.
0: Exactly. And this allowed the conspirators to gain unauthorized access and take valuable intelligence from victims' accounts, including intelligence related to U.S. defense, foreign affairs, and security policies.
1: And according to the DOJ, some of the information obtained was even leaked to the press in Russia and the UK ahead of the UK elections in 2019. Sounds like a classic hack-and-leak disinformation campaign.
0: Right. And it's not just the US taking action. The UK government announced that it had detected sustained unsuccessful attempts by the FSB to interfere in UK political processes and had sanctioned Perityatko and Koronets for their spear campaigns.
1: The UK's National Cybersecurity Center, part of GCHQ, even said the hackers were almost certainly subordinate to the FSB and had selectively leaked information in line with Russian confrontation goals. But it's not just sanctions, is it, James?
0: No, it's not. The US Treasury Department also announced sanctions against Peretyatko and Coronets, and the State Department is offering a $10 million reward for information leading to their identification and location. And, and the Callisto Group is
1: notorious, isn't it? Known as Star Blizzard by Microsoft and Cold Driver by Google's Threat Analysis Group, they're well known for conducting long-running espionage campaigns against NATO countries, particularly the U.S. and the United Kingdom.
0: Absolutely. In fact, in May 2022, Google researchers attributed a hack-and-leak operation to the group that saw a trove of emails and documents stolen and leaked from high-level Brexit proponents, including Sir Richard Deerlove, the former head of the UK Foreign Intelligence Service, MI6. It's a complex, layered issue that we'll be keeping a close eye on. From the shadowy world of cyber espionage, let's now turn our attention to a lighter topic that affects us all, the ubiquitous online survey. But what if these often tedious questionnaires could be transformed into engaging, even empathetic conversations? Let's explore how AI is revolutionizing the way we give and receive feedback. We've all filled out surveys, right? Most of them are, let's be honest, a bit of a chore. But what if AI could make them more engaging and- Empathetic,
1: right? I think I read about this. Are we talking about Trove AI?
0: Exactly, Trove AI started by Dinghan Shen and Yuan Shui, two software engineers from Silicon Valley. They're using language models like GPT-4 to create conversational surveys. It's a fascinating-
1: Hold on, conversational surveys. So it's like having a chat instead of just ticking boxes?
0: Right on, and it seems to be catching on. They've already got over a thousand users since they launched six weeks ago, and the user base is pretty diverse, from a London spa to a Boston school but they're not the only ones exploring AI in surveys. Giants like Qualtrics and SurveyMonkey are also-
1: So what sets Trove apart?
0: Well, Shen says they're looking to become more than just a survey tool. They're aiming to be a full-on experience management platform, dealing with customer, employee, product experiences, and more. Plus, they're trying to strike a balance between being a SaaS platform and an AI tool. Shen describes it as being 80% SaaS and 20% AI. He sees Trove as an AI-generated feedback loop from survey creation to analytics, ticket creation, and even CRM integration.
1: That's a lot of features, but what about the recent issues with OpenAI? I mean, if they're relying on third-party APIs, isn't that a risk?
0: That's a good point, but it seems like they're aware of this. Shen told TechCrunch that they're rethinking experience management workflows in light of today's powerful large language model capabilities. So it seems like they're looking to adapt and evolve as they go.
1: Interesting. So we're looking at a future where AI not only helps us gather feedback, but also makes the process more engaging for the people giving that feedback. That's definitely something to watch.
0: Speaking of AI, it seems like not all AI advancements are being received with open arms. There's a bit of a storm brewing in the tech world around Google's latest AI model. Let's dive into that. So Google's new Gemini AI model has been making waves, Celeste, but not all of them good. Seems there's a bit of controversy brewing over the authenticity of their demo video.
1: Oh, really? You mean the one where the AI narrates a sketch of a duck, recognizes shadow puppet gestures, and even tracks a ball in a cup switching game?
0: The very same. Now they did caution that latency was reduced and Gemini outputs were shortened in the video, but it seems the video isn't exactly-
1: Wait. Are you saying the video was faked?
0: Well, not entirely faked, but it wasn't a genuine live interaction either. The video was created by capturing footage to test Gemini's capabilities. They then prompted Gemini using still image frames from the footage and text. So
1: so it's not as real-time and interactive as they made it seem, but the responses were generated by Gemini, right?
0: Yes, but the issue is the speed, accuracy, and fundamental mode of interaction with the model were misrepresented. For instance, in the video, Gemini quickly recognizes a hand playing rock, paper, scissors. But in reality, the model must be shown all three gestures at once and prompted with a specific question. It's a much more thing. Engineered interaction?
1: So it's not as intuitive as the video makes it seem.
0: Exactly. And it's the same with other examples in the video, like when Gemini correctly orders a sketch of the Sun, Earth, and Saturn. In the actual prompt, the question was more detailed asking Gemini to consider the distance from the sun and explain its reasoning.
1: So, the demo was more of a best-case scenario presentation rather than a genuine demonstration of Gemini's capabilities.
0: Right. And while some might argue that it's all part of marketing, the issue is that the video was titled Hands-On with Gemini and implied that the interactions shown were real. It's not clear if this was the Gemini Pro model or the Ultra version set to release next year. It's a bit misleading.
1: Misleading, indeed. If Google's aim was to inspire developers, they might have ended up doing more harm than good. Trust is a key factor in the tech world, and this could potentially damage that trust.
0: Absolutely. The real test will be when the AI studio with Gemini Pro is made available for experimentation. Will it live up to the hype, or has Google shot itself in the foot? Only time will tell.